Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, where we will bring you some of the most interesting interviews and features from the world of tech. Visit irishtechnews.ie and check out our podcast section to explore all of our previous episodes. You can subscribe to our podcast using whatever your favourite app or service is by visiting anchor.fm forward slash Irish Tech News. And welcome back. It's Melanie Boylan again here. And today I have got Johnny Prest from Seed, who is a brand strategist with Seed. So welcome to the podcast, Johnny. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Melanie. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm really looking forward to having a conversation with you. Now, we met only a few weeks ago um, when I travelled over to the UK to an event called Marketed Live. And I heard you speak there and you really had everybody standing up and applauding um, towards the end. You really got you know, got people committed and, and sort of involved in the conversation. And it, it's very much what we want people to try and do now when it comes to building a better planet and building a better community. And your talk was basically, um, what does your community fight for? And that's, I mean, I suppose it could be your tribe or your community or sometimes even your brand. Um, so tell us a little bit about your talk and and what was your motivation for bringing that one along to Marketed Live? Great. Yeah, thank you. Um, well, firstly, I really enjoyed doing that talk. It's actually the first time that I've delivered that talk. But it's it's actually, but it's been about, I think it's probably been about a year in the making. (laughs) Um, So most of my talks are around creativity and identity and how businesses should think differently about their identity. This is the first time that I've spoke about that subject, but also then combined with things that are really, really important to me, like the environment and sustainability. So... I'd been thinking for a long time about how to deliver this talk. And initially what I did when I knew that when I'd been asked by Paul to to come and speak, I just listed loads and loads of things that I wanted to talk about, Um, different stories, different facts, um, different areas of my career that I want to talk about. And then it was just a question of like stitching it all together. Mm. And then once I started stitching it together, then this kind of talk started to appear in front of me. And it's almost a bit like a Venn diagram. You've got what I enjoy doing, um, what, I, um, what I'm what i interested in, and what I'm passionate about. And it's a bit like Ikigai. I don't know if any, anyone listening to this understands Ikigai. You can just Google it. But it's about finding flow. And I think this talk at Marketed Live was the first talk that I've talked about something that encompasses loads of different areas of my life. Um, and it sort of came together and it was about community building. It was about identity and it was about the environment. It brought those three things together. And it's interesting you say about people standing up at the end. That was actually quite planned to get everyone on their feet because I wanted everyone to remember that last part, which is about what do you fight for, to really be in tune with what you fight for. And ideally, Try and take what you fight for and incorporate it into your working life, if you can, into your career. I feel like if you can take those passions and the things that you really care about, especially if you're into climate and the environment, if you can bring that into your work, then uh, for me, it's been an absolute game changer. And um, But no, I'm, I'm glad that you, you enjoyed it and everyone else did. Mm. Oh, it's definitely one of the most memorable talks of the whole day. 
Um, and it was such a significant day anyway, because of what happened with the royal family that day. So now you've you've done this, are you going to be redoing it again? Are you going to have an opportunity to do that talk again? Or are we the privileged few that are going to be getting that chance? No, I'd love to do that talk again. I'm already starting to speak to other event organisers and organisations and networks about doing that talk again. And I think that talk as well, I've designed it so that it could work in manufacturing. It could work at a charity event. It could work for marketers or students. I want to, I've, I try and create my talks that they're quite um, fluid and quite mm. agile and I can change them. I can change some of the terminology. I can take parts out and put bits in, but I, I'd love to deliver it again because I, I'm quite proud of that talk because I feel that it can be delivered anywhere. It could be delivered at a digital summit or it could be a, an environment an environmental event um, because I think the most important thing in there is the story, mm. the story of failure in there in some ways and the the story of despair that runs through it but then it kind of then gets stitched together at the end with quite a lot of positivity and optimism um but yeah I'm, I'm looking to to do a lot more speaking gigs now and that was my only second ever speaking gig out, um, after covid pre-covid um i was a lecturer at university so i was talking a lot and i do a lot of events but then i i did a few online things mm. over covid or the lockdowns and then that was my second second speaking gig. So I was actually quite nervous. Um, and but I, I've all, I'm always said uh, once I if I nail the first three slides, I'm away after that. If the first three slides are a little bit dodgy, then then I can wobble a little bit. Mm. But yeah, no, I was I was quite nervous. It certainly didn't show. I've got to say. So what you pointed out there was the storytelling and and how much um, what you were, were conveying was quite personal. And it's not what you say, it's how you leave people feeling, isn't it? So tell us a little bit about your story and and explain how you reached that point where you could start going through this sort of sustainable journey that you've you've put into your um, latest talk. Yeah, OK, cool. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll extract some of the story that runs in the pre- in the sp- in the talk, actually, because I think it's most relevant. So in terms of my passions creativity is one so I I, I come from an artistic background or there's the only thing I was good at at school was drawing and and art Um, it then sort of transitioned to other types of art form I did a bit of acting and I love music so anything creative um, and artistic I really really love but the the environmental side of things started when I was about 14 or 15 and I worked in a kitchen it was a French restaurant that was actually part of a golf club and I was a KP, kitchen porter, which is basically a posh way of saying pot washer. And I, and I, my, one of my jobs at the end of the day was to get rid of all the food that had been served that day. And then we're talking vats and vats of food that got poured in the bin, you know, curries and cooked meat and sandwiches, loads of stuff. And I just couldn't believe the amount of food that was being wasted. And I used to try and take it home, which my mum got annoyed with it eventually. Um, and that kind of got me really thinking about waste and the amount of waste that we have. So following that, I tried to use my creativity and harness that with zero waste. Um, and I used to work on campaigns. I worked with Love Food, Hate Waste. I worked with Recycle Now. And I worked on those type of campaigns. And most of those campaigns were targeted towards young people. 
So there was a big drive at the time to try and get more young people to to waste less and to recycle more. And that was about 10 years ago. And then those campaigns changed and evolved into videos. Videos turned into animations. Campaigns turned into bigger projects. And then the kind of love of, you know, doing those projects turned into loads of different types of environmental projects, um, especially in, the, in these last sort of five years, more towards about climate change. But through that, um, through that process, the, the, the thing that really struck me the most and got to me the most was single-use plastic. Because when I was doing the recycling campaigns, we would have to go to these recycling plants and these sorting um, plants, big, massive warehouses where they sort out everyone's rubbish. And, and I also had to go to landfill as well as part of it. And I just couldn't believe the amount of plastic that was flying around and the amount of plastic that they they couldn't sort and they couldn't distribute and recycle and it would then go to landfill. I think a lot of it was getting shipped off as well. And obviously there's a lot of negative um, kind of news around the, the amount of waste that gets imported out and it goes to other countries and, and, you know, we don't really know what happens there. So the whole plastic thing became a big part of my life about 10 years ago. And since then I've, slowly started to try and go plastic free it's not something you can do overnight it's a really difficult task so myself and my family now are, are trying to be a plastic free and we're a part of a plastic free community which is plastic free Leicester and um and then so my my talk really was that journey it was my journey as being as a designer and now an identity designer or a brand strategist and my love for sustainability and my hate for waste uh, and pollution. And that kind of then led me really to that talk. And it's actually a really interesting talk. I mean, you didn't just say how you did it. You demonstrated (laughs) how you did it. You explained um, the tactics that you use, the places that you visited to research and th- th- there's lots of different places that you can visit, certainly in Leicester and around abouts, that you can just pick up um, produce and meat and, and everything else without this, this wrapping that you find in the local supermarket. D- do you think retailers are making it harder or easier or do you have to kind of pick and choose where you get um, your, your, your shopping stuff? Yeah, so part of going plastic free from from my in my own experience was that I had to kind of segment my shopping list. So meat and dairy, perishables, non-perishables, and everything else in between. And it was a slow process to try and figure out where to get things, what not to buy. I actually did it over a phased approach. For me, what I found the best, the best thing out of um, in terms of what I do in terms of my shopping was the market was at the heart and center of everything that I did. Now I'm blessed to have a really great market. Leicester market, I believe is a, is a great. So it's an market. outdoor market. It's an outdoor and an indoor market. Okay. So you can get all your meat and dairy and all your fresh fruit and vegetables from the same place. Now with that, so you can take your bags and then I take Tupperware. So box, Tupperware boxes and containers, I can get everything and put it in those containers. So I could do my whole fresh fruit and veg and meat and dairy plastic free. 
So just so the listener understands, when we say plastic free, it's really, we are really talking about single use pa- um, packaging. So that's stuff that you literally open and throw in your black bin and it's the stuff that you can't recycle. So that's, um, yeah, single use plastic. Then following that, you've got your things like your rice, your pasta, all the other things that you need to buy from your shops. So first phase for me was I'd only buy it if you could recycle the packaging. That was first phase. Second phase was was just no plastic at all. That's when it gets complicated because then you start then taking things out of your shopping list um, that you that you that you that you really like and it's part of your diet. And then you've got to start thinking, is there a workaround on that? Is there a workaround for pastry? Is there a workaround for um, I don't know, other fresh food or meals or, or other things? And, and that's when it gets more complicated. Um, and that's where the challenge is really. Now, I think it's almost next to impossible to remove it completely from your life because it's actually it's in farm, you know, it's in medicine and things like that. So yeah, the whole thing has been an, a challenge, but um, we're working hard on it. And I suppose if you're driving to a lot of different places to try and find, um, you know, like eggs, like you have to go out to a farm to go in, then that's kind of, okay, you're avoiding the single-use plastic, but you're using fuel <laughs> to get there. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of swings and roundabouts. But as you say, it's very difficult to remove absolutely everything bad from your life um, in order to go completely sustainable and green. So, yeah, that, that I think the two main things why a lot of people will find it really hard to go plastic-free is for two different reasons. One is cost, because some things are going to be more expensive and the other is convenience. Mm. So we're we're so accustomed now to just going to the supermarket. We go in with our trolley, we fill the trolley up, we come out to the car and load it and it's done. It's easy, we can do it quickly. If you're going to do some of the things that I've just mentioned, then you can't do that. You literally have to go one place and you go to another place, another place. But over time, you do find ways of making it quicker mm. and you do find ways of making it more convenient. And you do find ways to save money as well, because what actually happens is doing these things will actually start to make you cook more because mm-hmm. you're not buying so much. Because a lot of stuff that's you know, wrapped in plastic is, thing, is food that needs to be eaten quickly. So if you buy things like fruit and veg that last a bit longer, you spend more time buying like non-perishables um, and everything can be bought refill. So actually what I found going plastic free is I started to become healthier because I started to cook more. I started to become a better cook because I had to learn how to use different ingredients and and do different things. Um, And I started to live a healthier lifestyle. And if you're competitive, you start to use it like a a competition. How can I remove that? Or how can I make that meal without plastic? And and, um, then you start to find other people are doing the same. And then you share ideas. And then what you find is, is that it's really doable. You know, it is really doable. And when you see your black bin just getting less and less stuff in it, and when you pull it out on your, on your bin day, if you've got a wheelie bin, and it's really light, then you know it's working. And you know that you're deflecting lots of plastic from going to landfill. So, and then the, what, the problem, the, what the really great thing is, is, is that once you know it's doable and you learn how to do it, the next phase is, how can I get more people to do it? So for me, my talk was about how can I get Leicester to be plastic free? 
And I truly believe it started with the market because the market is one of the only places where you can do this. Mm. If you've got a market near you, a farmer's market. And if you speak to the people on these fruit and vegetables or your dairy and meat and say, can I bring my own bags? Can I, can I bring my own Tupperware? They're always like, yeah, that's cool. Cause they're saving money. They, most of these people on these stalls, they don't want to hand out plastic bags. They don't want it wrapped in plastic as much as we do, but it's supply and demand. You know, if more people can work together and, uh, and bring their Tupperware, bring their bags and, and encourage more people to do it, then eventually people will change the way that they sell these things. And the supermarkets, the supermarkets know there's a problem. They're not denying there's a problem. And a lot of these supermarkets are starting to pilot things now. If you go to certain uh, market um, supermarkets, you might start seeing refilling stations. You might start seeing little point of sale stuff that says plastic free. You're starting to see brands now that are changing their packaging. It is changing, but it's just taking a long time. In one of my trips over, I went to the co-op because um, I'm based here in Ireland and I went over to see some family and went to the co-op and they had these little net mesh bags that you can purchase to carry your fruit and vegetables in. So, you know, that each store is doing their best to make it easier. But I suppose um, through our most recent ta- pandemic, people didn't want to touch anything so everything was being wrapped up again so I think actually that set us back a little bit um in some ways but now we can go into shops again and you're seeing more and more fruit and veg not in bags again so I I think I think people are starting to be more aware and you know the the CSR of every business especially the larger ones um corporate and social responsibility is being adhered to I think um, but hearing your journey was really interesting, Johnny, and, and the fact you're so passionate about it and that you you now are in a position where you can share it to your community. Um, but, yeah, if maybe it's time everybody who was listening to this started to think, what does my community fight for? What what difference am I making? What what can I stand for and help my community stand for? And you're an excellent, um, clear, concise mouthpiece for your community. So how can people take these steps themselves to to change and to improve? Is there a a place that they can learn more about this um, anywhere at all? I think, well, um, all, all of this is a journey. I think it's a practice. It's something that you that you we're all fumbling the, through this thing called life, aren't we? And we're all trying to find ways of being better. But I, I'd say it, it begins with self-discovery. It begins with finding out what's important to you. But this is an exercise where it's all of a practice. And I think it starts with self-discovery. It's understanding the things that you truly care about and are important to you, which most people can answer straight away. Then it's about how can I make a commitment? And how can I live by these values? And once you're doing that, then it's a question of trying to then. And once once you've made that commitment, it's about then trying to help others and guide other people. I don't think some people can get a little bit preachy with these things that they Mm. really care about. And And I love passion and I love it when people care about things. But sometimes it can be a bit preachy and that can push people away a little bit. 
Yeah. I think the key is to just show people that you care about it. And if people are interested and curious about it, guiding them and signposting them to the right to where you where you hang out or the things that you do and just show people an insight into your life and how you're trying to change these things and change your behavior and why that's important to you and kind of educate people on the bigger picture of why we you know why we should all be doing these things if you if you care about people and you care about your environment and you care about the planet and you want to leave this planet in a better state than than it was when you, you know, when you when you were born then then these are the things that we should all be doing but i i'm definitely sensitive to the fact that not everyone feels the same way as me not everyone thinks the same way as me so i'm trying to be empathetic to understand what people want and what's their behavior and, and what motivates them and then once you find that you've got shared interests and you've got the same sort of belief systems, then to kind of open the door to your life and, and what works for you and what doesn't work. And then just sharing knowledge like a tribe would, you know, like a tribe would, they'd share knowledge, eat this berry, don't eat this berry. These are the trees that we want to preserve. You know, we, you're trying to, you know, I think we should be thinking generations ahead of ourselves. You know, what do our, what does the world look like for our children and our grandchildren and our great grandchildren? Or if you don't have children, you know, I think you still should be thinking about the world, what, how you want to leave the world when you leave this planet. You want to leave it in in good nick, mm-hmm. um, because I think that, I think that's important that we that we have a bit of a more of a fi- um, infinite mindset rather than a finite min- mindset. So not militant um environmentalist but motivational environmentalist yeah I, I think i think the world needs a bit of everything you know i i, I love extinction rebellion and i was 100 support everything they're doing because it does need people marching and banging on doors and chaining themselves to things to get media coverage to get people talking but there's many entrances into the mindset of ultimate change you know, and there's there is banging down the front door, but there's also a few side doors and back doors. Um, I think I'm more of a side door person to try and get people to think differently. I think that's the key, like good storytelling, get people thinking differently. And I, and I believe that every grain of rice tips the balance. I think maybe someone like Extinction Rebellion would want to throw a bag of rice in someone's face. But I, I'm more about just... If we can get pe- a lot of people making small changes now, that's good. And then, you know, in, in six to 12 months, we'll get more people doing a bit more and, and et cetera. And I, and I believe in the compound effect. If we could start building waves of momentum and getting people to change. And I, I say to a lot of people, you know, that are looking to go plastic free, just do meat and dairy. Just start with meat and dairy or just start with fruit. Just start with one thing. Just start this week and think, how can I buy all my fruit without plastic? So when you go to the supermarket, you'll see there's loads of bananas with plastic and those without. So get the ones without. If there's apples without, get those. Mm. Take you remember to take your bags with you. You're like your shopping bags and your Tupperware are going to be your new best friend. You got to take them everywhere with you. I literally do have to take them everywhere with you because. It's the impromptu buys. You know, when you just go to the shop or you're on your way home or you just nip in and get something, you've got to have them with you all the time. 
Mm. Um, but if you can start small and to start doing little things, then, you know, eventually it will lead to big things. Well, thank you so much for this, Johnny. Um, we learned so much from that presentation and learned even more today about your journey and, and how sustainable you can make your life if you just put in a bit of effort. And um, I have to say, every now and then, uh, as you were talking, I was thinking that little Tesco tagline, every little helps, um, comes into my head because it does. Every single little thing you can do does help. Um, and from small acorns, look what grows, you know. So thank you again for your time. Um, and I'll be back very soon with another podcast. I will be sharing Johnny's contact details and his website. So if anybody's got any questions, wants to learn more about his journey, um, you will find it in the details attached. Thank you for listening to the latest Irish Tech News podcast. Check back every day for the latest episode. You can follow us on Twitter at Irish underscore tech news. On Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Irish Tech News. On LinkedIn, linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash Irish dash tech dash news. On Instagram, instagram.com forward slash Irish Tech News dot IE. And on TikTok, tiktok.com forward slash at Irish Tech News.